Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. And can you guys help me out, church? Can we welcome everyone joining us online as well? Say welcome to our online family. Hey, we love you guys, no matter where you are worshiping with us. It's our our honor to be worshiping with you, even right there at home. I have a word for us today. And let me just say this before we start. I believe it's bigger than these four walls. I believe this is a word for, for beyond these walls. It will impact you and your life as well. But I think it's going to speak to the condition of the the culture and the world that we are living in. Because how many of you know we are living in a time of a drought? The word drought means scarcity. It means lack of supply. Drought, Drought means there is a deficiency. And as I look around the world... And I look around what all the world is having to offer us. I would just, I would just say we are in a season and a time of, of drought. And so today, I believe this word is going to speak directly to the condition that many of ourselves find our, ourselves in, living in, and the fact that a lot of us, we've settled and we've gotten comfortable with where we are today as well. And so I'm going to give us some direction how to get out of that condition, how to get out of, of settling for less than what God has for us. And I think the word drought accurately describes, again, where we are as a, a culture. Now, what I'm about to share with you is nothing new, perhaps, um, but here are some observations that I see in our current culture, in this current season. This is an election season, you know, for us this week, I would just encourage you to get out and vote. And let me just say, and exercise the right and the privilege we have in this nation to vote and to put godly people into positions of influence. Now, listen, I said godly people. I didn't say people of a particular party. All right. I said people who are godly, People who line up with, with what God's word says. Don't, don't vote according to a party line. Vote according to God's word. Are you with me? But this is what I see. And again, this is nothing new. But I see people making decisions and then wanting to abandon those decisions. I see people saying, hey, follow me. And then really having no idea where it is they're going. And say, hey, maybe you shouldn't follow me because I don't know. And I see so much as adding to the confusion and the chaos of this world. I just see it continuing to grow in increasing measures. And it seems like every year the chaos gets greater and greater. Are you with me? Every month sometimes, even every day, it seems like there's more and more chaos. And I think it's always been that way. However, the last couple of years has, have just kind of shined a light on some areas that have always been there, a spotlight. That is to say that we did not get here overnight. This is not some place we just arrived at, you know, uh, out of the blue. This has been a slow fade into what I believe is a drought in our nation, a drought of, of many things in our nation. The truth is for a long time, I think a lot of people are just faking it. What are they faking? They're faking that they, they have direction. They're faking that they know what to do. They're faking that, that they have it all figured out. They're faking this full life, complete life that they are, you know, want to think, make you think they're living. I think, right, for us today, we're living in a drought. And I want to entitle this message, if you're a note taker, redeeming your drought. Redeem the drought. 
Because again, we're in the season of drought. Drought means lack, deficiency, shortness of supply. And I think there's a drought in our country of, of morality. I think there's a drought of, of, um, of, of social Social drought, I think there's an economic drought in our country. Of course, you might be in a personal drought, and we're going to talk about that, a personal season of lack, a personal season of short supply. But globally, we're in a season of drought. And I don't think you have to look very far to discover that. All you have to do is turn on the news or scroll social media, and you'll find that this world is in a a place of, of drought. What kind of drought? There's a drought of leadership. Let's start there. How many of you know it's difficult to find a leader worth following? There's a drought of leadership. There's a vacuum and a void of of leadership in our nation and even in the world. There's a drought of morals. That's another one. Just turn on the TV and you can see there is a drought of morals. I was looking at Netflix the other day and a lot of times I just scroll through Netflix. I never end up watching anything. Anybody else like that looks good. That looks good. That's interesting. And I never end up watching anything. But I looked at the top 10 things. The top 10 most popular shows in America. Number five was this this animated cartoon called Big Mouth. And it was about middle schoolers and the topics of their their shows, the the titles of their shows. One was ejaculation, one was pornography, one was, you know, transgender. Like, if that's what entertainment is in America, if that's what people are after, how many of you know we are in a drought? Come on, we are in a drought. If we think that is good entertainment, that's what's feeding people. We're in a drought of of right and wrong, are we not? There's so much confusion. Is it any wonder, you know, we are in trouble. There's confusion, there's second guessing God's design, how he created us male and female. When I turn on the TV and I watch men competing in women's sports, taking away awards from women who are incredible athletes who have worked extremely hard to get the awards that they deserve. Like we are in a drought. We're in a drought of common sense. We're in a drought of of family values. We're in a drought of fathers being in the home, acting like fathers. We're in a drought of kindness, a drought of compassion, a drought of humility. I'm just saying we are in a a drought. And what happens when people are in a drought? They get desperate. And because you are desperate in a season of drought and you're hungry and there's no food to eat, how many of you know people will eat whatever is handed to them? And so people all around this world, all around our nation are eating whatever garbage is handed to them. And we have people in places of leadership and positions of leadership that are giving people garbage to eat. We don't know the difference anymore between good food and garbage. You'll start eating anything that you are given. Our nation is being led by people who will throw out garbage to people who are starving. You know why we're starving? Because truth is not being preached. People are searching for truth. They are desperate for for truth. And so again, this word, I think, is is larger than just these four walls. However, it also comes down to our individual lives. Because how many of you know, if we're going to make a difference in this world, it starts in our home. How many of you know, if we're going to redeem some droughts that are in this nation of morality and and leadership, then it has to start in our, our home. People are desperate and dying 
and we need to, 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 to start it right in our home. So this word for our church, this is not the days Elevate Church to be immature about our faith. I want you to know that. And I'm, I'm not like mad at you. I know I'm coming across as preaching mad. I'm really not mad because this is 100%, this drought that I'm talking about is redeemable. 100% that there is hope. Like we are hope dealers, right? There is hope on the other side of this, this drought. However, this is not the day for the church to be flippant about our faith. This is not the day, you know, for us to treat that like, I get so angry and frustrated when people treat the house of God as optional. And then we complain about the drought. And then we complain about what our children are learning. When your children should be in Elevate Kids learning about God on their level, where truth is being fed to them, where the seeds of God's truth is being planted deep into their heart. Because if they're not getting planted into here, they're getting planted into by someone else somewhere else. Are you with me? And so, like... We have to be serious about this. When it comes to this drought, we need to, have, we need to have food and truth and supply in the storehouse. We need to be filled up. And so I don't know what your personal drought is today, but I wanna talk about redeeming it. And again, I want you to think about this on a larger scale if that's where your heart's being pulled, especially again in an election week. Um, but if right now you can only bring it down to your family and where you are, then start there. Because here's what I know, some of you have a drought of peace. You have no peace. No peace, no, no joy, no peace of, of mind, no peace in the home, no peace in your family. You have no peace in your marriage. There is a drought of, of peace. Maybe it's, there's no peace in your finances. There's a drought of peace there. And because there's a lack of peace, because there is a scarcity of peace, I can tell you exactly what your life looks like. You know what it looks like? It looks like no sleep. It looks like stress. It looks like not being able to digest your food very well. It looks like your stomach, stomach is always in knots because there is no, no peace. It looks like you lose your temper. You fly off the handle at anyone and everything, right? It looks like you, you have failed relationships. You go from one relationship to the next. Why is that, Colby? It's because in droughts, things die. Things start to fall apart in a drought. Some of you have a drought of friendships. There are no people speaking into your life, giving you encouragement, uh, you know, being a, a good friend. And this is why we preach all the time about brotherhood nights and sisterhood nights, and I'll continue doing it until they're done because you need people to speak into your life. Because if they're not there, I can tell you what your life looks like. It looks like scrolling on social media for hours, filling your life with fake friendships. It looks like sleeping from, from hopping from bed to bed to bed because you think that is what's going to fill the emptiness inside of you. Because there is a drought of, of friendships. There's a drought of, of connections in your, your life. So I don't know what your personal drought is, but again, they are 100% redeemable. And throughout the Bible, God uses droughts. to He uses natural droughts to, to, to pull people to him to restore people, to move people to where he wants them to go. He used a drought to move Abraham into Egypt. He, moved, he used a drought to move Naomi, you know, into saying, hey, you know, I gotta get back to my homeland. And then Ruth went with her and Ruth was able to find her, her husband. He used a drought to move Joseph from the prison to the, the palace to ultimately the, right, the, the prime minister. 
and to save an entire nation. He used a drought to do that and to restore his own family. So God uses droughts. And there are stories in the Bible of these natural occurrences of droughts, but they have deep spiritual implications for us because God will also use droughts to raise up leaders from obscurity. He'll use droughts to to speak to you. In fact, I guess I'm just saying this, don't discount your drought. And if you're in a dry season, season of lack, a season of desperation, a season of thirst or hunger, you're looking for some truth, don't discount your, your drought because while your drought will cause you to make some dumb decisions, some decisions out of desperation, you know what else your drought will do for you? It will cause you to lean in and to listen to God like a season of abundance never could do because you're desperate. You need God to move. You, you need God to, to work in your, your life. So don't discount your drought. This is not a message of doom and gloom uh, about the condition of our country or the state of the world that we are in. I see it more as a message of opportunity, a chance for you and I to redeem the droughts that are in our life because we are the answer. Elevate Church, the church is the answer. And if we can't redeem our own drought, then how in the world will we be the answer to the rest of the world? Are you with me? How, how, and why would they want what we have? Why would they want the answer if we can't begin to redeem our own drought? So today is the time for some of you just to say enough. Enough is enough. Somebody say enough. Enough. Like enough drought in my marriage, enough drought in my family, enough moral drought, enough you know, spiritual drought. Enough is enough that you can be the answer, but you gotta be willing to start at home. So I want us to look at a drought in God's word, 2 Kings chapter six, if you have your Bible. Uh, and I'm gonna pull three things out of this. This is a natural drought, but again, it holds deep spiritual truth for us. And these concepts are simple. In fact, you're gonna be able to walk out of these doors today and apply them to your life today and begin to make an impact in your season of drought your season of scarcity, your season of, of lack. Second Kings 6, there's a great drought. This happened in the land of Samaria. Uh, Samaria at this point was a part of the nation of Israel when they split to the north and the south. And so Samaria was in the north and they are surrounded by their enemies, the Arameans. They got them surrounded in the city walls of Samaria. And on top of that, there is a great, great drought and it's causing a famine. So there's a lack of food. I mean, times are, are desperate. People are slowly dying. And Samaria, you need to know, was a, a kingdom of idol worship. Like they love to worship idols. They love to, to practice, you know, the worship of many different gods. They adopted many different gods and set up several idols inside of the city. And I, I, I think about that and think, man, that, that kind of sounds like the world we're living in, does it not? That people are just kind of looking to this God or looking to that God, setting up these little G gods in their life, worshiping idols. And I know the pushback sometimes is, Colby, we're, I don't worship idols. Yeah, you do. In fact, they're probably on TV in the next couple of hours. Come on, I know, right? It's called football. It's called NFL. It's called college football. We all worship these things. And so kind of that's what they are doing. And they're realizing that none of their little G gods are fixing the issue. Nothing that they are worshiping and trying to fill their life up with 
is solving it. You know why? Because it's, it's temporary. It's, it's, not, it's not truth. They're desperate, so they're eating trash. They're desperate, and so they're feeding themselves with, with, with garbage. And so they're in this terrible drought. They're starving, and in their desperation, they cry out. In fact, that's what our world does. In times of desperation, there are pockets of people that are beginning to, to cry out for answers, beginning to cry out, you know, what do we do? And it's in those times, hey, church, we're the ones that have the answer. We're the one that's supposed to be able to answer when people are crying out of desperation, you know, what is happening in our, our world when there is a drought. And I want us to be a church that responds to that, that has something to say. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 25. Are you there? All right, I'll wait a little bit longer. No, I'm just kidding. Second Kings, it'll be up on the screen too. Uh, it says this, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long, check this out, that a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab was sold for five shekels. You know what that is? Bird poop. Bird poop. It's dove dung, that's what it is. It's bird droppings. So people were so desperate that they were eating donkey heads and bird poop. Sounds a lot like the world we're living in, does it not? That people are so desperate that they would eat complete garbage. They, they would consume complete garbage and pay top dollar for it. That's what we're doing. Scrolling on Netflix, scrolling on things, seeing what the world is offering us to eat. And guess what? It doesn't stop there. It, it gets worse because when we don't redeem our droughts in our life, what happens spiritually also happens here in the natural. We begin to become cannibalistic. And that's what they start doing. They start uh, attacking one another. This is what we do. We degrade each other. When we're in a season of drought, you know, we, we, men degrade women, people degrade people. There's hatred, there's violence, there's racism, there's killing, there's, there's murder. Why? Because in a moral drought, a spiritual drought, we are so hungry and so desperate for, for truth that we start filling it with, with other things. So it got worse. Verse 26, it says, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall. So picture this, this king is, is walking around. He's not down with the people. He's on the wall, but he's looking down on the people. He's, he's seeing things from an elevated position. He's a person in leadership and he's checking things out from an elevated position. As the king was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, help me, my Lord, the king. The king replied, if the Lord does not help you, how can I help you? Like if God's not gonna come through, what can, what can I do? He says, from the threshing floor, there's nothing there. From the wine press, there's, there's nothing there. But he knows that she's desperate, and so he asks her, what's the matter? And here's what she said. This woman said to me, give up your son so we may eat him today. And tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son, and we ate him. The next day I said to her, give up your son now so we may eat him, but she has hidden him. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes and he went along the wall and the people looked and they saw that under his robes, he had sackcloth on his body. He said, may God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elijah's son of Shaphat remains on his shoulders today. Now, before we move on, I want you to note 
the king's position. Again, he's on the wall. He's removed from the people. He's not down there, you know, in the city with the people. He's on top of it. Those in leadership, they were from an elevated position. And so his, his position to him was more important than the people that he was leading. And he's on the wall and he hears the complaints of people. He hears the cries of people, help us. Like, what do we do? And he's like, man, I, I don't know. And he starts blaming everyone else. Well, it's God that got us into this. It's that, that prophet that, that got us into this. It's the circumstance. It's not my fault. It's their fault. Sounds a lot like the political ads I've seen in the last month. It's someone else's fault. Not my fault that we're in this mess. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's, it's their fault. Can I tell you something? Pride will never let you be the solution to someone else's desperation. Pride won't allow it because we can't see beyond ourselves. Humility though, <laughs> humility. But it says he had on his robes as he's walking around so everybody could see. I mean, he still got on his robes and he did this display. He tore his robes so people could see his sackcloth. His sackcloth meant that he was seeking God and, and desperate for God to move. However, it seems like he just wanted to put on a show. I mean, I've, I'm, I feel the same way. You and I were together in this. They weren't together in this. He was up on a wall. He was in his, in his robes. And the people cried out to the person who, who had the power to help and the person who had the power to help, all he could do was blame someone else, blame other things and have this show of, of humility. And I just, that sounds so familiar to us. Where we are in our world, people cry out to those with power, help us, save us. But what do we see? They're only blaming one another. It's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault, and no one is taking responsibility. And when that happens, doesn't it just add to the confusion? Well, if it's not yours to handle, then, then whose? And then, and then where do we look for, for help? And so this woman got so desperate that they started to, to eat one another, eat her own children. In other words, they had no regard anymore for what was right or wrong. How many of you know when we get so deprived and so starved of truth, we will begin to do things that we never thought we could do? In the, the absence of truth, in the absence of morality, in the absence of, of, of integrity, man, our world, we start doing things we never thought possible. And so here's this king on the wall and he blames the prophet and he blames you know, God. And he says, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill that prophet. Why? Why do you say that? Because it's always easier to, to blame someone else than to take responsibility. In, verse, in chapter 7, it says this, though. This is the prophet. He replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, that about this time tomorrow, a sea of flour, finest flour, will sell for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. In other words, there's about to be a turnaround. How many of you know we serve the God of the turnaround? Are you with me? The God who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. He is the God of the impossible. And so what they are currently paying for bird poop, he says, in just a, a, a day's time, you're going to be able to buy the finest flour at a fraction of the cost because a miracle is on its way. Somebody that's in a drought today, you need to know your miracle is on the way. You just need to know this is how God works and he does it through unlikely people. He does it through unusual circumstances. Look at verse two, it says, the officer 
whose arm uh, the king was leaning on, said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open up the floodgates of heaven, he's like, you're crazy. Could this really happen? This can't happen. And this is what the prophet said, you will see it with your own eyes. However, you will not eat any of it. You won't eat any of it, but you're gonna see it happen. So if the answer wasn't gonna come from those in charge, those in leadership, those in Washington, D.C., if the answer wasn't gonna come from the king in his, in his kingly robes, his royal robes, he wasn't about to give a royal answer, then where would the answer come from? Well, hold on to your britches. Everybody got your britches on? Because I'm about to tell you. However, here's a word of warning. When I tell you when the, where the answer came from, this is a warning. No one will be able to walk out of this room and use the excuse ever again that says, I'm unqualified. So if you wanna leave, leave now. Because when I tell you how God redeemed this drought and through the people God redeemed this drought, you will not be able to say, God can't use me. God can't do amazing things through me because here's who he used. Nobody took me up on my offer, that's good. Stay in your seats. He used a group of lepers, a group of four lepers to redeem this drought, a group of four people with flesh-eating disease, highly contagious, lepers who had tragic circumstances, lepers who were on the outside, lepers who were, who were uh, like mistreated, people who, were, who weren't allowed to be a part of society anymore, certainly that had no royal robes, certainly who had, had no title, no position of influence, no wall to walk on, that's who he used. Guys who were living outside of the, the city, guys who were in abject poverty, yet they had something that the king did not have. You ready for it? It's the first thing we need to redeem our droughts. Number one, write it down, courage. That's what they had, courage. Courage to, to do something different. Courage to, to take a stand when you knew things weren't, weren't right. Courage to begin to redeem the droughts in our life, the droughts of morality, droughts of, of, of integrity, drought of leadership. They had, had courage. And what does not matter is where you come from. These were lepers. What does not matter are the, the scars that your skin carries because of all the decisions that you've made, good or bad. Like what does not matter is your, your current position and who you are because man looks at the outward appearance, but it's God who looks at the heart. And God's looking for something that he sees in these lepers in us. It was a heart of courage. And I love, I love it when people have gone through things. I mean, even know when somebody's gone through something in their life, they're the first to say, you know what? Like if nothing else, at least I'm gonna try. If nothing else, right, it, it, I have nothing left to lose. I've been down that road before. Like I've got nothing left to lose. I only have, have to gain. And that's where these, these guys were. As people were crying out to God, God is orchestrating the, the redemption of this drought through a very unusual and unlikely group of friends. Four lepers. Four, we could say cancer sufferers. We could say four single parents, four, four people who, who didn't have 
anything in the natural whatsoever. That would be the equivalent of this scenario. Guys who had the right, by the way, to be self-seeking. Guys who have been mistreated. Guys who had the right to, to kind of say, hey, you know, like we deserve this. Yet it was courage that they had. And I've learned that in droughts and in times of crisis, that, that God will make, make lepers into leaders. God will make, make kids into kings. He will use the unlikely to do the extraordinary. And that's what he does. Look at verse three. It says, now they were four men with leprosy. They were at the entrance of the city gate and they said to one another, because it started with a courageous conversation for some of you, this is where your redemption of your drought needs to start. Somebody that just has courage to speak up. Somebody that just has courage to, to begin the conversation. Hey, honey, we need to do something different in our marriage. Hey, we need to do something different in our, our parenting. It started with a courageous conversation. It said, why? Here's what they said. Why stay here until we die? If we say, let's go into the city, the famine is there. And guess what? We die. If we stay here, we die. And so here's a great idea, courageous idea. Let's go to the camp of the enemy, the Arameans, and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, what? We die, right? Courage. Courage created that possibility where, where there was nothing but impossibility. Courage says, you know what? This sucks, that sucks, this sucks, you know, all of it, you know, but, but what if we try something else? That's what courage does. Courage creates opportunity that where there wasn't one. Courage, courage allows you to think beyond the box to do something different. It's not denying the facts. They did not deny the facts, did they? They said, hey, if we stay here, we die. If we go into the city, we die. If we go to the enemy, we also might die. They're not denying their facts, but what they're doing is they are applying faith to the, to the facts. And when we have courage, you and I, it allows us to stand up and to face the facts, but to look forward to the future that God has for us. That's what courage is, courage rising up inside of you. That's why I love God's word because he gives us instruction for every season of life. If you're in a drought, God's word gives us instruction. If you're, you're depressed and you're, you're lonely, there's instruction in God's word. If you're in difficult times, there's instruction in God's word. Instructions how to, how to give and live generously. Like God doesn't say, hey, hey, do it when everything is great. Tithe and return back to God his, your first and best because that's what he's asked us to do when your bank account allows you to. That's not what he said. He said it's gonna take courage. It takes courage to do that. He always gives us a, a drought plan of attack and it starts with being courageous, starts with being courageous. I'm just telling you, some of your droughts, they would be redeemed in your life if you just honored God with some courage. If you began there, some of your financial droughts would be solved if you just honored God and it was courageous about giving him your, your first and best. If, if you would just save some stuff, start some stuff, do something, right? Start a conversation, your drought would begin to be redeemed. So where do you need to be courageous? Here's the second thing that happened. Um, your drought is also redeemed by just doing what's, what's right. Write this word down. It's the word righteousness. 
It takes courage, but it also takes righteousness. Righteousness. As soon as the lepers got into the camp, they realized the enemy wasn't there anymore. They're like, all right, if we stay, we die. If we go there, we might die. We might not die. And they get there, and the enemy is completely gone. And so they're like, what's happening? How many of you know sometimes God will, as soon as you decide and have a courageous moment to do something on behalf of of God, God will begin to remove the obstacles from your life. And that's what they did. He removed the enemy from them. And so they get there. In verse 8, it says, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp. No one was there. They entered one of the tents and they started to eat and drink. Then they took silver and gold and clothes and they went off and hid them. I love that. They just kind of buried them. I don't know, just waited for later. Then they went into another tent. They did the same thing. Verse 9, then they said to each other, here it is, what we are doing is what? Is not right. It's not right. They said, this is a good day. This is an amazing day that God is delivering us, right? And we're keeping this news. We're keeping this to our ourselves. If you're going to redeem your drought, it will require courage, but it will also require righteousness. You know what righteousness is? It's simply doing what's right. It's doing the, the, the thing of integrity, the thing of, of character. It's, it's doing what's right. These guys could have said, hey, we deserve this. If anybody deserves this, we do. We've been mistreated. We've been shunned. We've been ostracized by our community. Like if anybody deserves to eat this and live this up, like we do. But as they were eating and drinking and feeding themselves and hiding some treasure, their conscience kicks in and they say, you know what? We found the supply, but rather than us just find the supply, why don't we become a supplier? Rather than us just find the provision, why don't we become a provider of what God has provided? Can I just tell you something? That's what the church is supposed to be. When you come through these doors, it's not just so that you can get filled up and God can supply to you, but it's so that you in turn can become a supplier to the world around you. Are you with me? That's what we're called to do. I'm preaching 80 times better than you're amening today. Like I'm, let's go people. I'm just fired up because we're in a drought and God's given us instruction how to get out of it, but it takes us doing the right thing. And can I tell you something? The world has forgotten what the right thing is. And righteousness just just kicks in. If we're gonna redeem this, we have to move from from being a, a taker to a giver. That's what's right. We gotta move from being just a consumer all the time to actually being a contributor. That's what's, that's what's right. This world would be a different place, a better place if we, if we just lived to give and not just to, to take. And I know the pushback for some of you is like, well, I haven't been given anything. Well, sometimes you just gotta give away something even if you were never given it. These lepers, they weren't given things either. And sometimes people say, well, nobody's given me, you know, uh, encouragement. Nobody's shared that with me. Okay. Well, you found the supply. You know where the supply is? It's God and it's his spirit encouraging you and filling you. So now you are to, to change that trend and become the supplier of that. Even if you've never been given praise, you become the provider of praise. 
Even if you've never been celebrated, right? You become the supplier of the celebration. That's how it works if we would simply just do the right thing. It's not the time for the church to say, well, I didn't, well, I didn't, well, they didn't. It's not the time for us to point the finger in judgment to the world around us. It's just the time to do what's right. To live righteously, to be, be hope dealers to the world around us. That's how we remedy the drought. You want to remedy a drought in your family? Do what's right. You want to remedy a drought in your marriage? Do what's right. Remedy a drought in your, your, the hurt that you've had? You know, what, you know what remedies hurt in our life? Forgiveness. That's what remedies hurt. You know what remedies hate? Like it's, it's, it's loving those. That is the Bible says, man, even if you have your best coat, you need to give your best coat to your enemy because that's what remedies that drought of, of hate. Righteousness, righteousness. It turns a, a private party into an open table because these guys were having a private party and they thought, man, we have everything. And they just decided, okay, like this is not for us. We're gonna become the, the supplier of it. Just do what's right, just do what's right. Why, Colby? Because the world has forgotten what's right. Man, as a parent, I have, this, I have this conversation a lot with my kids. You know, they're always like, well, why can't I? Well, why can't I? It's like, because we just don't do that. The world doesn't know what's right anymore. It's just not the way that, that we live. They don't know it's wrong to act in certain ways. Moms and dads of daughters, like you need to teach your daughter it's not right for a, for a man to say to you, hey, and pressure you into sexual activity. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. Just because the world is, you know, handing out that trash doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's right. Ladies, like the world says, here's what beauty looks like based on social media and based on comparison. And because you don't measure up to it, that you think, man, I just, I'm, I want to end my, my life. Can I just tell you something? That's not right. It's not right that the world would have you feel that way. What they are giving us is not, not right. And while I'm on it, just because the world says, hey, follow your feelings, cut away at what God created and how he created you, it's not right. Doesn't make it right to do. Are you with me? Like it's just, it's not right. We don't have to fall into the lie that just because everyone's doing it. And again, I know I sound like my dad. <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's right. And if we would simply just do what's right, then a lot of things, a lot of things would change. And I, I get the pushback just like you, but why, but why mom, but why dad? Because we are not trying to perpetuate a drought. We're trying to redeem one. And we're not gonna be a part of the problem. We're gonna be a part of the solution. Come on somebody, right? How? By doing what's right. By doing what's right. Here's the last thing. So courage, courage. And then righteousness, and the last one I want you to write it down is resolve. Resolve, resolve. I'll have the band come help me. Resolve to what? Resolve to trample what has you trapped. To trample on the very thing that has you trapped. Where do you get that from? Right here in God's word. It says the lepers went back to the king and they said, hey, there's food. And the king's of course like with these four lepers, he's like, yeah, right. 
I don't believe you. The enemy's gone. I mean, they were surrounded. They're in a drought. They're eating each other. They're eating bird poop. So these guys come back, hey, the enemy's gone. And the king's like, yeah, I'm gonna check it out for myself. So he sent some soldiers under the cover of night. And sure enough, enemy was gone. In fact, they chased them to see kind of how far, how far they had gone. And, and in a city that's walled and there is a drought and people are desperate and word gets out that there's food, man, they rush to the gate. They're, they're ready to go. Free food, good food. Come on, let's, let's go, let's get some. And it says this, that the king had positioned on the gateway, the very man who when he went to confront the prophet, the very man who said, this can't happen. God can't do it. There's no way. So positioned on the gate, picture this, between the people and their blessing was doubt, was disbelief, that God won't, that he can't. On the gate, between their answer, their hope for redemption was, was this, this voice that was doing nothing but adding to the problem. And it says this, that the king put the officer in the gate whose arm he leaned on, that the people ran out and what did they do? They trampled the man to death. They trampled the voice. They trampled the, the, the person that was between them and the remedy to their drought. So not only will your unbelief cause you to miss out on the blessing, it could actually cost you your life. God can't do it. Says this, it happened as the man of God had said to the king. He said about this time tomorrow, a, a sea of finest flour will sell for a shekel, two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And the officer had said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord could open the heavens, he couldn't make this happen. And the man of God replied, you will see it with your own eyes. But what did he say? You're not gonna eat any of it. And it happened exactly as he said, because the people trampled him at the gateway. And I just wanna say that some of you are in a cycle of doubt in your life. Like you'll have, you'll have peace for a moment and then you'll lose it again. You'll have, you'll have joy for a season and then you'll start to, to lose it again. You'll have, your finances are good for a minute, right? You have things in order and then it starts to kind of unravel. Again, you have relationships that are okay and then they fall apart. Again, I need to tell you the reason why you're not redeeming your drought perhaps once and for all is because you have left some voices at the gate that are causing you to return. Voices at the gate that are causing disbelief and doubt in your life. For some of you, you need to begin to trample on what has you trapped. You need to trample. That means maybe not going to the same people and the same places and doing the same things that you were doing over and over again that perpetuate the drought. Like you wanna have a different marriage? I mean, you better trample some of that stuff in the past that's not allowing you to redeem it. You wanna have a different family picture? You better trample some of that garbage in the past. You wanna be free of that addiction? Stop going. Stop listening to those voices. Stop being around those people that perpetuate that sickness in your life. But you gotta trample 
What has you trapped? You gotta trample it. Because I promise you, you can be courageous for a minute, you can do the right thing for a minute, but if you leave that open, I'll end with this in uh, the book of Amos. I know we don't go there a lot. Famous Amos cookies, famous Amos. Yes, yes, yes Lord, yes. <laughs> but I think this is fitting because again, this is exactly where we are. It says this in verse 11 of chapter eight. These are the words of my master God. I'm gonna send a famine. I'm gonna send a drought into the whole country. And I feel like this is where we are. It won't be one of food or of water that will be lacking, but what, but my, but my word. What does Jesus tell the woman at the well? I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you life-giving water. The Bible says that his word is, is life. His word is bread. It's like our daily bread. It's what sustains us. He says, I'm, it will be my word. That's what people are desperate for. That's what people are hungry for. People will drift from one end of the country to the other. They'll roam to the north. They'll wander to the east. They'll go anywhere and everywhere to listen to anyone hoping Right, looking for something, hoping to hear God's word, but they won't hear it. It goes on to say in the next verse, people will actually faint because they're thirsting for God's word. I don't want anybody on my watch, I don't want anybody in this church fainting for the lack of the word, for the lack of what God wants for you. It's our only truth. And when things get desperate in our lives, we will start to eat and consume anything. And the point is this, when that happens, you gotta stand up and have courage. You gotta do the right thing and you have to trample what has you trapped. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. Let's, let's just ask these questions of ourselves. What is it right now in this season of your life that is dry, that maybe is dying, that there's scarcity, that there is a lack of supply, that you know there is a drought and that you are hungry and thirsty. And then ask yourself, what is it that you are eating in that season of hunger and thirst? Is it something that will sustain you? Is it the truth that only God provides? Like if we could just have an honest moment of conviction, like are there things in your life that are pulling you away from, from righteousness? Some things in life that you've just, you've gotten lazy with and perhaps have, have crept into the family, crept into the marriage, crept into your mind. Yeah, I think this is just a call back to, to righteousness, to right living. And then ask yourself, what, what needs to be trampled? Where do you need to have some resolve in your life so you don't go back to that same season of drought over and over again? God, as we seek you right now and as we begin to worship you, we know that you can move mountains. We know that you can make miracles happen. 
We know that you use the unlikely people to do extraordinary things. And we know that you want us to be world changers, but, but also in order to do that, some things need to change in our own life. And maybe some of us in this room, they, we need to, to be once again um, redeemed back to you. We need you to fill us up, God. We need to trust in your word. And once again, redevote, recommit our lives to you. Or for some people, man, maybe for the first time, God, you just surrender our heart and our life. And so as we worship you, God, would you just make it clear that you are able to do more with our lives as they currently are. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand up and let's worship together. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.